do I really want to spend my precious time and energy showing up every day in this kind of toxic work environment? Yes. Because no, you nobody know, needs it. nobody needs it, right, Greg? Hi, everyone. This is Comfort and Growth, the podcast for people who are passionate about personal growth and productivity. And today, I have with me a very special guest, my one and only husband and clinical psychologist, Dr. Greg. Hello, everybody, and thanks for having me on your podcast. Okay, so today we are going to talk about um, what to do with gossipy and passive aggressive people. Greg, are you ready? I think so. Okay, but before we get into that, um, this weekend on AMA, um, I hold a regular Ask Me Anything session on Instagram. And when I announced that I was launching this podcast, I had a few people who were requesting for two-hour-long podcast episodes, Greg, because they said that they were commuting from KL and they said that they needed at least one and a half hours to two hours. I mean, that's... Mar- marathon podcast. <laughs> we, we can also play episodes twice. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I'm not sure about this. So I said I will... Uh, we'll do a... Um, Dover Canal Gimmo length podcast. I think KL podcast is a little bit um, far. Um, yeah, ambitious. <laughs> ambitious. And I don't want any of you guys falling asleep, all right? So with having said that, let's get into the podcast today. So Greg, today we are covering the topic of how to deal with people at work who are gossiping about you. And I always remember that our friend Volker, our German psychologist friend Volker, um, said to me that um, gossip is just human grooming behavior. Why do people gossip, Greg? Well, m- many reasons, mm-hmm. probably, but uh, yeah, of course, it serves a function to connect. When we talk about other people, mm-hmm. uh, it helps us to, you know, release some kind of frustration that we might experience, mm-hmm. or we can simply exchange stories. Uh, stories are very powerful ways of connecting to others, uh, so it serves a bonding function. Yeah, absolutely. Um, but yet at the same time, I think like, you know, when you feel left out, um, when you're not part of that sort of inner circle, it can get really get people down. And I remember there's a lady who wrote to me recently, and she said she somehow found out there was an office WhatsApp group that had been set up without her. And it was literally named like office minus this person's name. Oh, dear, that sounds really terrible. And, uh, you know, at, at some extent also can become bullying or abusive behavior. I think for me to test this, does it really impact the other person professionally? I mean, to me, that's a litmus test. Like if it, um, if that gossip is creating an actual impact on the person's professional reputation, reputation amongst their clients, for example. Yeah, and does it change the behavior of the people who are gossiping towards that person? Okay. I think there's something really interesting about gossip, though, which is when I was younger, I thought more about what people thought about me. I worried more. I cared more. But now I'm in my 40s. I literally DGAF. I don't give an F. I am, like they say, my bag of Fs is empty. I have no more left to give. How about you, Greg? Do you, do you find that you, you care less about what people think these days or you never actually cared in the first place? Um, I think there's a big individual difference how Mm -hmm. sensitive people are to what other people think and say about you. Uh, Mm. Some people are quite sensitive and Mm. even a perceived uh, negative comment Mm. or a a sly look might be very hurtful for those people. But for others, first of all, they don't even think about what others say about them or they don't take it so personally. Yeah, I think it's like, you know, I always call it like, 
the thin skin, thick skin kind of spectrum. And yeah, I, I think you're absolutely right. Like sometimes my coaching clients will come to me and they're like, oh, this person looked at me a weird way or on the way to the toilet in the corridor, I passed by this person and uh, I look at them, but they didn't say hi. And I'm like, uh, and then <laughs> crickets, <laughs> because like to me, it wouldn't really be a big deal. But to them, it's like the end of the world, right? Yeah, absolutely. So we make so many assumptions about mm. how others think and feel about us. And a lot of them are tinted with our, you know, past experience and with mm. our mood at that moment already. So if we're feeling a bit down about ourselves, a bit anxious, we interpret other people's behavior in a negative way. Okay, so you're saying like, for example, if I had a bad day, if I'm going through a really grumpy, you know, time and then I happen to walk past my colleague in the corridor and she gave me a sort of like neutral or slash slightly sus look because I'm already in that bad mood. I will like take that and I will like amplify that. Absolutely. Absolutely. We're constantly impacted by our current state of mind and mood and what's happening around us. So if everything is going quite smoothly, then we're also automatically more resilient and we make less negative assumptions. Yeah, but you know, when I think about people who are so-called thin-skinned, right? Oftentimes, I, at least my theory, la, you can tell me whether I'm true or not, is that, you know, when they were young, um, probably they had some sort of life experiences that uh, really hurt them and they were, you know, not rewarded for being thick-skinned. So for example, for me, if I think back, uh, why I became inverted commas thick skin. I wasn't kind of born, I mean, part of it is nature, but part of it is also that I think that when I was cheeky, when I tried to push back, or when I said, you know what, heck care, I'm not going to whatever, life actually rewarded me for that strategy. Whereas I think for thin skin people, it's like maybe some, sometime when they were young, they actually tried being thick skin and they tried like being assertive or they tried, you know, kind of fighting for themselves or standing up to people. And uh, and then it didn't just it just didn't get the results that they expected. Do you think so, Greg? Yeah, that could be the case. But also that in in general they may have experienced more mm. uh, traumatic experience, more uh, negative comments when they were young already. So that made them more sensitive to later uh, criticism or uh, difficult situations. Okay, but I want to get back to this question about gossipy people. Okay, so like if you are in a workplace with gossipy and passive aggressive people, like what are some strategies that you can um, put in place to inoculate yourself against these uh, energy vampires? Um. <laughs> I mean, there's no easy solution, but of course, uh, if it's if if it's an observable, real behavior that you're witnessing, it's really important to address it there and then. So, could you give that person some kind of feedback and approach them, have a conversation about what's acceptable and professional and what isn't, and if that doesn't get resolved between you and the other person, it's obviously also totally okay to involve your line manager or HR if it becomes a big issue. Yeah, I always think in these situations, the test is how can you quantify the impact of that behavior? So for instance, if the gossip has created, um, for example, has spread to a client and somebody external has heard about this gossip, it's definitely uh, impacting your ability to do business. In that case, it would be very clear cut. I would go to my line manager or even to HR, uh, HR and I would say like, look, um, Recently, there have been some, there has been this sort of behavior, 
and uh, you know the impact it's created. And, and I would be very specific. What kind of behavior? I would collect the timeline. So when did this occur? What format did it occur with? How many incidents were this? So I think the first step actually is to collect you know, the timeline of these instances. And we've got like a couple or, 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 or th- two or three of these instances. Then it really forms like some kind of like history, right? Mm-hmm. And then when you go to HR, your line manager, it's like a more clear cut that look, there'd be multiple instances of this sort of behavior. And the impact it's creating is that it's, um, cr- it's spread to our clients. And that affects not only my reputation, but the company's reputation. And this is very unprofessional behavior. It goes against our company values, etc. right? Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah, but then there's kind of like gray area behavior where it's just kind of like people not inviting you out for social functions or people who are not being warm and friendly towards you. And in those instances, I think, well, my time and my energy is better spent focused on my work and on the people and uh, situations that, that, you know, resonate with me and really support me, people who are for me. Yeah, I mean, I agree. If, if it comes to that point, uh, nothing wrong with not engaging outside the regular professional conduct with those people. But you may also want to consider, have you tried and actually improved the relationship with the people? Mm, give have me you, some examples. Have you ever had a cup of tea or coffee with that person? Have mm. you ever tried to get to know them? Because sometimes people behave differently towards us if they know us when they compared to when they don't know us. I and, think you're spot on, Greg. You know, and it's, it, it builds up trust and connection. And we talk about in-grouping and all our training when we establish commonality. If we uh, know about the person's life history, mm-hmm. it becomes much more difficult to uh, treat them uh, in a not so kind way. Uh, recently, I advised this lady who was experiencing some sort of very negative behavior from her colleagues, I asked her to one-on-one reach out to certain people from that clique and one-on-one just go out for lunch with them mm-hmm. or coffee with them if lunch was too much or um, and treat it as a social experiment. And I said, look, I wouldn't say I wouldn't say like you know get your hopes up and and expect a miracle. Yeah, you're gonna be best friends forever. Yeah, don't expect to be best friends. Work sometimes you're not gonna find your best friends at work. You know what I mean? But like, see what happens. And she reported back a few weeks later, and she was like, "I did what you said." And with one person, it didn't go anywhere. But with the other person, after we had that coffee, I actually found out that there were a lot of assumptions, and she was a lot ni- she was a lot nicer than I thought. Mm, yeah. And after that, the relationship really improved. So sometimes it's a little bit like, you know, just reaching out to the other person or or, or a few key people and finding something to talk about that humanizes you. Because oftentimes in work, it's so transactional, right? And it's like people just think, oh, this person is in compliance. This person is in HR or whatever. And they don't see you as a human being. But the more you start sharing, like, this is who I am. I have kids, you know, I have a dog and uh, I like jogging, whatever it is. Then it becomes a lot easier, you know, the, the social lubricant starts kicking in and then people start naturally wanting to be a bit more inclusive towards you. Yeah, absolutely. And also reminding yourself that maybe the reason why they're not treating you so kindly or perhaps gossiping about you might be more to do with their issues than anything about you. So maybe they have their own trust issues or find it difficult to deal with change if you're the new uh, colleague in the office or they feel threatened by you or they have their own insecurities and then they resort back to 
just clinging on to their go-to friends and talk about you in a way to self-soothe their own issues. Yeah, so important principle is someone wise once told me, no one that is successful and happy is spending any time gossiping about other people. And therefore, that means that people who are gossiping are by definition not successful or not happy or both. So sometimes when I think about the people who are gossiping about me, I'm like, okay, but they're not successful or not happy people and that's what's fueling this gossip and then it allows me to kind of move more towards compassion or at least not give a toss about what they think as much right yeah and i remember the immortal words of um a rap singer um do people say rap singer? Is it rap star? Rap artist. Rap artist. Uh. Rapper. Okay. Uh. Rapper. Okay, so the immortal... <laughs> of Snoop Dogg. <laughs> the immortal words of... I think it was Kanye West who it can be problematic, but we won't... <laughs> We're cancelled already, lah. <laughs> no, but honestly, out of all the things Kanye said, right, I really resonate with this one. Okay, I don't resonate with a lot of things he said. Okay, getting back to the point, Kanye West... A artist once said... An artist once said... I don't give a F about what people think because people don't think. And I think of that all the time, right? Why are we spending so much time giving a toss about what people think? Most people actually spend very little, little time thinking about you in a way that's meaningful. Do you know what I mean? Yes. <laughs> But I mean that in the best possible way. People might say little things like, oh, you know, oh, Crystal is so like whatever. Oh, Crystal talks too much or Crystal whatever. But honestly, they don't spend a lot of time thinking about you. Mm. You know, they might make little throwaway comments, but why are we actually recreating this sort of um, toxicity in our body? It doesn't make any sense, right? Yeah, absolutely. And then that you are ruminating or thinking so much about it outside of work, before you fall asleep, mm. first thing in the morning, and you're giving it so much power. And the more you think of it, the more you're hardwiring it into your brain. And as you said, creating this whole anxiety response. And uh, you're the person that's suffering when they are leading their own life, thinking about somebody else. You know what? It reminds me of that very famous second dart concept from mindfulness, right? So there's a story Imagine you're walking through a forest one day and then out of nowhere, an arrow comes towards you and pierces you in your side and ouch, you're hurt. There's one arrow in your side. But imagine you take out your own bow and you shoot a second arrow into yourself right next to the first arrow. And you might be thinking, this is ridiculous. Uh, you already got hurt by the first arrow. So why would you take out your bow and arrow and shoot yourself a second time? But that is actually what us humans do. It's like somebody causes us an initial hurt right? Say something mean. And then what we do is that we shoot a second and a third arrow into our sides by replaying that mean comment over and over ourselves uh, in our minds. And that means that, you know, instead of one arrow, we end up with 50 or even like 100 arrows. Mm. And most of those arrows are self-shot, self-created. Yeah, not only repeating what the other person may have said, it's like actually believing it's like, oh, I must be a boring person or yeah. I'm, I'm, I'm a poor performer or my presentations suck and actually fueling these self-doubts mm. and, and, and insecurities about yourself. Mm, absolutely. So I guess the, 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 the very important step is, you know, if the damage is already done, put down the bow put down the arrow, don't shoot more darts into yourself, right? 
So um, I think another important principle is also not everything deserves a response. Absolutely. If mm-hmm. if if you can ignore it, don't f- fuel the fire. And to me, I think of it as like conserving collagen and also conserving energy. There's this Chinese saying like, um, which means like don't waste your saliva, right? Sometimes when people are being idiotic or just mean-spirited, like sometimes the best response is no response. So you think about the classiest people that I know, the most respected people, it's like somebody makes a mean comment and they just literally let it hang in the air and just drop. Like they don't, they don't care. They don't want to deal with it. It's like somebody throwing a piece of shit, right? You, you, why do you want to catch that shit? You don't, right? You just want to let, they're throwing the shit, just let the shit fall to the floor and ignore it. Yeah, it's a little bit like, you know, with, with kids, the kind of negative attention that, mm. you know, reinforces bad behaviors. It's like if you don't show any negative reaction, if you don't rise to the, the teasing, the comments or whatever, actually it, it becomes quite boring for the person gossiping and then they might find move move on to somebody else yeah that's why you often advise the kids right when Mm. they're being bullied or something like that you're like okay don't make yourself a satisfying target Mm. right because like satisfying targets are people who react or uh, in a way that's very satisfying to the bullies right yeah absolutely yeah so um we've talked about uh, trying to establish a bond, number one, with with certain people who are perhaps outgrouping you, um, taking them out for coffee, tea, whatever. Um, we, and if that doesn't work, strategy number two, we've talked about also, you know, realizing that oftentimes hurt people hurt people, right? Yeah. And uh, those people who are gossiping are probably not happy and successful and then kind of like using that as some kind of motivation so that you don't get too wrapped up in it. And the third strategy we talked about is really not responding and also not um, getting into that cycle of playing it over and over in your mind and just kind of doing something else and surrounding yourself by people who are for you. Obviously, if it's impacting your behavior, you, it's it's important to give feedback as well or, yeah. you know, uh, escalate it to your manager or HR as well. Yes, absolutely. Okay, so fourth strategy actually is um, if, there's create, if this behavior is creating a significant professional uh, impact, then it's giving feedback and it is uh, going to uh, your line manager or HR and talking about it, right? Okay, so let's talk about fifth strategy, passive aggressive people. I feel like sometimes there are passive aggressive people in the workplace and they make, so passive aggressive behavior is behavior which is not um, outwardly um, confrontational, but it could be sarcastic behavior. It could be nonverbal behavior like eye rolling. So for example, it could be like when I'm saying something, this is important, this needs to get done, then my colleague rolls her eyes. That's passive aggressive. Okay. Or for instance, um, I am making a comment about me wanting to work on a project and my colleague says, yeah, because you're always very excited to work with our boss right? So that is kind of like a backhanded sort of snarky comment, right? So passive aggressive behavior is behavior where somebody's got something to say, but instead of being forthright and just saying what they think, they kind of couch it in a nonverbal or something that's disguised, right? In those instances, my philosophy, Greg, you can tell me what's yours, but my philosophy is always call it out, like nip it in the butt. And This philosophy came about because, you know, when I was in investment banking, I was the only Asian, very young, 20-year-old female, often in a room of all white males. And I 
very early on realized that the people who ended up being bullied were the people who let it go on and on and on and didn't nip it in the butt. So if somebody is eye rolling or somebody is um, saying something, you know, like that, I would address it straight away. For example, I might say, sorry, Jack, I couldn't help but notice you seem to have something to say. Was there something that you wanted to say about this? And oftentimes you'll, you, when you address it, they will just back off. Or if I say like, I'm sorry, um, you know, Lucy, can you repeat that? I didn't quite get that. And if you ask somebody to repeat something, oftentimes they'll just back down. So a lot of these, um, can you repeat that? Um, was there something that I'm missing? Um, these kinds of very kind of uh, uh, in neutral, neutral and professional, but just kind of like um, I'm paying attention sort of <laughs> statements gives other people a message that I'm paying attention. You, you don't mess with me. I, I am curious. I want to find out what you meant rather than I'm going to let that slide and be an easy target. What do you think? Yeah, I mean, I think, yeah, addressing it, giving feedback one-on-one. -on -one. I mean, if it's done in a group setting, you may want to pull that person aside afterwards and say, hey, I noticed this is what what seems to be happening in the last few meetings or whenever, whenever I talk about whatever project mm -hmm. you do X and yeah, it needs to be observable, it needs to be objective. Um, the other person may or may not be aware of them doing it. There may be uh, something more sinister behind it or there may not be. Mm. So it, for you, your strategy is pulling them aside, not in public, but like getting them one-on-one -on -one and then give it, giving feedback. Yeah. Okay. And seeing where that goes. Okay. Okay. But if they are really, really toxic people, if they are, their behavior crosses the lines into bullying, um, you know, for example, if they are name-calling, um, oh, you're so stupid or you are lazy. Uh, or for example, if they are swearing or using four-letter words, expletives, this is obviously completely crossing the line into unprofessional and uh, you know harassment sort of behavior. And that's where I would definitely say go to HR. Collect the evidence, collect the timeline, uh, and then make sure that you get support. And if your HR doesn't do anything, if your line manager doesn't seem supportive after you give a couple of rounds of feedback, you might want to ask yourself, do I really want to spend my precious time and energy showing up every day in this kind of toxic work environment? Yes, because no, you nobody know, needs it. Nobody needs it, right, Greg? Like, you know, you and I, we work with so many companies. I mean, this year alone, we've worked with hundreds of companies already talking to them, training their people, etc. And there really is such a big variance in the companies that we work with, right? Um, some of them are truly, truly caring. They have best practices. They have HR that really cares for them. They have a supportive, inclusive culture. And other companies that come to us, uh, these tend to be the ones that we don't take on as clients. They're just like, ah, you know, everyone's burnt out. Uh, how can we get the most out of them uh, with the least possible and just, just get them to do their work, sort of thing and just well, well, they don't even have an HR department <laughs> yeah exactly so there's what I'm trying to say is that oftentimes true randomness you might apply for a job and maybe it's the first time uh, you're you're working for a company and you just literally have no benchmarking you have no frame of reference like is this normal is this not normal let me tell you it is not normal to go to work in a bullying environment and if you are in that environment where every day on the way to work when you wake up in the morning you just feel your heart sink like I remember when I went to work once in a toxic environment on the way to work I would literally have this feeling of dread like my heart would sink 
And that is a sure sign, my dear, that you do not need this. You need to start looking around. You need to start interviewing. You need to start speaking to headhunters. You need to start um, talking to your friends in or contacts in a similar industry and start benchmarking, collecting data points, um, trying to figure out what your various options are because our lives are very precious and nobody needs it. Yeah, and also don't let it get to the point where you start believing the negative things that people are saying about mm -hmm. you or internalizing it and then it becomes a... Uh, for some people, even like a concern or like nothing ever going to change, you feel mm. really helpless and hopeless, and then you end up being stuck in that toxic environment. Yeah, there are good workplaces out there. Um, and uh, if you want the down low on uh, good workplaces, maybe we can do another episode on that sometime. But I really want to encourage you to uh, not just think that this is it. You know, everyone's like that. Oh, yeah, you know, life is just like that. That kind of victim mindset or that kind of learn helplessness mentality. Just is what this is what it is. Life will never change because it's not true. There are many, many workplaces out there which are uh, supportive and many bosses out there who are really good bosses. I know because we've trained thousands of leaders and we can see some really, really great ones, some okay ones and some really horrible ones as well. So there's a whole range there. Don't think that your reality is never going to change. You can do it. So on that note, um, this has been our podcast about how to deal with gossip, passive aggressive people. Biggest takeaways from me, Greg, Greg, I think biggest takeaways is remember that you are in charge of your own mindset, right? Um, don't let other people's initial darts or arrows actually wound you to extent that you are wounding yourself over and over a hundred times for every one arrow that you receive. Mm. And remember that one of, or many of the reasons why other people are treating you negatively or uh, getting lost in gossiping or criticizing others is their own insecurities, mm. their own childhood issues that have absolutely nothing to do with you. Yes. So thanks so much for joining us. This has been a super fun episode and we'll see you next time at Comfort and Growth, the podcast for people who are passionate about personal growth and productivity. See ya. Bye. Bye.